Hello everyone. Before we start today's podcast, some exciting news for you. You can experience the Inside Politics podcast live in Dublin on May 16th when Hugh Linehan, Jennifer Bray and I will be joined by Cliff Young of Ipsos, one of America's top pollsters, to talk about the US election, our own local and European elections and much more. It's a breakfast event kicking off at 8am in Trinity College. If you'd like to attend, you can get tickets at irishtimes.com forward slash events. That's irishtimes.com forward slash events. I hope we see lots of you there. It's Wednesday, October the 4th, and you're very welcome to the Weekly Politics Podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Hugh Linehan. There is a sense of the calm before the storm this week, with just six days to go before Pascal Donoghue and Leo Varadkar's first budget as Minister for Finance and Taoiseach, respectively. All the indications at the moment are that Budget 18 will be more of a breezy day than an out-and-out storm, though. A little earlier, I was joined in our studio by Fia Kelly from our political staff to discuss the broader political landscape, and then our managing editor, Cliff Taylor, dropped by to talk in more detail about what we might see happen next Tuesday. Fiat, this isn't a particularly exciting pre-budget process this year, is it? No, it's uh, very boring. Mind you, every year we say it's boring until the last few days when there's a glut of leaks and panic leaking by people who are making their pitches towards the Department of Finance and Public Expenditure. But no, by, by normal standards, this is a very dry budgetary process, probably because, um, number one, there's not enough money to spend. There's very little money. Um, there's only 350 million of new funds to spend. Now, we anticipate that the package will rise about 600 or 650 on budget day. There's always money down the back of the sofa. Well, probably not this year because the Department of Finance is saying that any extra money will have to be raised elsewhere through, you know, increases in, in tax that isn't income tax. Um, and Fianna Fáil has told the government that it does not want to repeat of last year with 300 million found on the last day. So the indications so far are that any extra leeway will have to be found through uh, tax increases or kind of mooching around that hidden fiscal space that Leo Varadkar talked about in the past, which is basically, you know, shuffling around money from an unspent department, a department that has an unspent allocation elsewhere. But we are very tight. And the other, I think, reason for it this year is that um, we have Pascal Donoghue now as the man who was running the whole process last year. He was the Minister of Public Expenditure and Michael Noonan ran the tax side. But it has kind of led to something of a different dynamic that he has informed them that, you know, kite flying will not be tolerated, that if anything appears in the front of the newspaper as a budgetary pitch, it will be looked upon uh, with less favour than those who have kept their cards within the meet or kind of kept their uh, pitches within meetings with civil servants and the minister himself. And that's worked? That has worked so far. Now, let's bear in mind we're a week, less than a week out and there's generally towards the end when the political negotiations get to their pitch, which they will do in the next day or two. Like, you know, they're kind of very small margins when you think about it. At times, people are pitching for an extra 10 or 20 million here and there. And that can be decided nearly a day or two before a budget. Last mm-hmm. year's budget was not signed off until budget day itself because of toing and froing with Fianna Fáil. So we're, we're coming to the, the politically fraught uh, period of negotiations. But again, what we're talking about is such small beer relatively speaking that it's all it's doable all and it doable, doesn't have a huge impact be, it's, it's, everybody yeah. seems to accept that okay there's not much to go around now I would we'd probably have the usual um, plint walkouts by the independent alliance and a few others and there'll probably be a bit of disagreement between Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael over the income tax package and the split between and USC what's just taught me to the process that Pascal Donoghue has to go through then you know when to what extent does he need to have the agreement of Fianna Fáil in advance and how high level is that in terms of the numbers or how detailed is it, um, it 
last year when he the way he dealt with his minister for public expenditure was he would well I know for a fact that he has had Fianna Fáil he goes okay what's your guys priorities and they say well, well the confidence supply agreement details this this and this and we want that looked after and that and that and he'll go okay fine and then what happened last year was he would as the process went on he would say your commitments are being looked after and the overall framework of expenditure is the following so you know we are spending couple hundred million on childcare, but he won't tell them exactly what he's spending it on. Uh, I think on the tax side, it was a bit more detailed last year because Michael Noonan would say, okay, we want to quote the USC by this much. Do you guys agree with it? I think the tax discussions this year were probably of a, s- a similar nature because that's the main sticking point between the two uh, is whether to decrease the USC or raise the threshold, which people enter a higher rate of income tax. They'll do a little small bit of both, probably so small that it won't make any difference really, but it'll be more signalling to, to, mm-hmm. to their voters what they want. Um, and then on whether there'll be any tax increases in the budget, like cigarettes, cigarettes or whatever, or whatever mm. they would have to tell Fianna Fáil because mm-hmm. they don't, they're not strictly bound to do so by the terms of the confidence supply agreement, but people are saying, look, we have to get this through our parliamentary party as well. We cannot land our parliamentary party with a tax increase on the day of the budget. And what happens when Derek Leary and Michael McGrath, because they still split this portfolio, even mm. though it's been brought together at government, mm. they then go back to Micheál Martin. Do they have a meeting of their parliamentary party in advance of the budget? Or? They keep their parliamentary party abreast of developments. Again, they tell them very little. Pascal, who tells his parliamentary party very little, he tells his colleagues very little as well. So they would be kind of Working back to, to Michal Martin and keeping him informed, he is the party leader after all. Mm. He will have to make the calls on certain issues. He will be one who will have to eventually sign off on the whole process. So it's basically those three people, um, you know, who are liaising with Fianna Fáil, or Fine Gael, excuse me, and running it within Fianna Fáil. Now, on Budget Day itself, there will be, I suppose, indications given to spokespeople say, OK, what you asked for is OK, that's fine, that's done. And then they won't know the, the entire package until Budget Day itself, the Fianna Fáil TDs. So, so, so the Fianna Fáil discussions are very high level. They're they about are high level. expenditures, yeah. they're about you know, decisions on taxation. And then almost at well, the they were last year, so I'm exactly mm. saying this year. And then at the almost at the opposite end of the spectrum, there's the Independent Alliance and the Independents mm. who, who support the government, most of whose concerns would be in that area you were talking about earlier, would be addressed by relatively small amounts mm. of money. Yes, like uh, the nature of these things is that Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael are talking about, like you say, the high-level stuff, you know, mm. taxation, overall expenditure. With the Independent Alliance, it's very much TDs, th- those TDs looking after their pet projects. So you could almost say Fine McGrath is going to be asking for stuff to do a bomb on hospital stuff like, you know, the bereavement grant, small welfare increases here, there. It's not overall issues. They don't really have a view, I think. They say they want the USC reduced, but they're not. That's not their main issue. They're not in saying we want tax cuts on this, this, and this. That's not the kind of. Le- that's level not of the nature. Although, even though there, there was some ex- un- some expression of unhappiness that followed their meeting with Pascal Dunne last week, that's just part of. The, I think it's part the of the ceremonial yeah. of this. Yeah, and like yeah. you know, speaking to someone around the alliance after they went, look, this is no harm for us to remind the public that we actually exist. That you know, we're often just sure. viewed as this part of this government. So there are. A couple of set pieces during the year, the budget being the most obvious one, we can march out to the plinth and say we're not happy with X, Y and Z and we want to put our stamp on this. Those, again, I think what Pascal Dunahoo is doing, um, everybody is, is assuming that he will raise taxes in some places to pay for what he wants to do, yeah. but nobody knows where he's going to do so. So people are going in making their pitches and going, look, we're doing this on the assumption that he has money to play with. We don't know where he's going to get it from. But and we might talk about the detail of that a little yeah. bit later with uh, Cliff. But... 
I suppose then the, the, the third part of this is the is the other Fine Gael ministers. And how different an experience do you think it uh, it is or will be for the likes of Simon Harris or Richard Bruton going in to have a conversation with Pascal Donoghue this year as opposed to the kind of conversations they were having last year? Well, they both had conversations with Pascal Donoghue last year because they're mostly the expenditure side from sure. education and health. Um, I think the experience will be broadly the same with... Donahue, because largely, largely speaking, because the budgetary package is was overwhelmingly tilted in favour of expenditure last year, he was the person who really ran the budget. So I think this, the, the experiences will be the same. Now there is this kind of you know low level gossip around Leinster House that because Simon Harris picked the wrong side in the leadership campaign, and you know people in the Frackers, yeah, I still a little have a little, bit, little bit of ill feeling towards mm-hmm. him. Still, will they make his uh, pip squeak a small bit during the budgetary process by not giving him exactly what they want? I think the ill feeling really is between the government and the HSC. Like the government believes the HSC is briefing against it all the time by you know sending letters they out saying they have some justification. They have some justification. Like mm-hmm. there's letters about you know we're going to breach our expenditure limits. We're going to do this and that. I think. The, that is wearing thin and you can detect kind of that impatience in Pascal Dunhill and Leo Varadkar because he has experience of the HC as Minister for, as the mm. previous Minister of Health. That could be a sticking point that they do not give the HC what they're used to getting when Enda Kenny ran the show. And what about, I suppose, then finally on, on that, the difference for all these ministers as they go in to meet uh, Pascal Donoghue is that behind Pascal Donoghue is Leo Varadkar as opposed to Enda Kenny mm. who... Was a more hands-off T-shot when it came to this part of the process. Yeah, it would seem he? he was like he 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 seemed to let Michael Noonan run the budget. Really, now there was input a couple of years ago from his economic advisor Andrew McDowell, but Kenny would not get bogged down in the, the minutiae of, of of things. One minister said he would often come in at the end of the process, kind of slap people on the back and say, "Is all right there now for everything? Is everything being looked after?" Whereas this time it's much more centrally comp- controlled from government buildings. Like Leo Varadkar is not in the room. But his chief of staff, Brian Murphy, is in a lot of the discussions uh, between Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, I am told. Uh, so that kind of gives him a direct line into what's being said. And there is a sense amongst everybody that this will have a Varadkar stamp all over it. His first budget is being driven by him. The main ideas are his. So it's a bit different to what was went before. Whereas Noonan was the deal maker who would make deals and cut deals in a room knowing that he wouldn't have to explain himself to end the Kenny. People are saying, you know, they raise stuff with Pascal Donahue, he says that's very good. I'll come back to you on it. And the suspicion is it's being run up the line somewhere else. Well, we'll be returning to the budget in a, in a couple of minutes. But first, I mean, not a lot knocking around, but quite interesting the the, the way things blew up in Catalonia and the and on with the the vote and the police violence mm. which took place there on Sunday and the general strike which happened then and the reaction to it around Europe, which has generally been, if not, and this is true of Ireland as well, if not supportive of the Spanish government, at least very reluctant to say anything that might rock the boat or seen as sympathetic to the Catalan separatist cause. Yeah, the Taoiseach statement on Monday was that, you know, they didn't. He didn't really recognise the legitimacy of the of the vote. That's a, a a standard European Union response following the lead of the European Commission, but that you know the, the violence wasn't welcome, and they would be making concerns known to the Spanish government privately, probably around the the fringes of a European Council meeting. I imagine he'd speak to Mariano Rajoy. But an interesting dynamic within the government itself. Uh, we had the Independent Alliance again. John Halligan, the junior minister, released a statement earlier this week in which he called on the government to bring the Spanish ambassador in and give him a dressing down. Um, Finian McGrath, his colleague, he's a super junior, raises a cabinet yesterday and we understand it led to quite heated exchanges that 
I think McGrath said that the, that the government's response was too weak, that they should be expressing their concern about this in stronger language. He actually felt that, I think that, you know, again, the Spanish ambassador should be brought in. He was supported, as he always is, by Shane Ross and Regina Doherty was another who backed him up again. But there was oppositions to, to him from some Finnegan ministers. The, ba- the upshot basically was that Leo Varadkar said, look, I'll have a word with Mario- Mariano Rajoy. And I think Simon Coveney agreed to have a word with the Spanish ambassador privately. Um, because I, this manifests itself mostly in Ireland as a as a kind of a left-right divide, although it's yeah, interesting it's, to hear that you know, Shane Ross and Regina Doherty were, were, think, were looking for a stronger line. Yeah, it is interesting to say that. But it is a left-right divide, which is a strange thing, given the argument that's at the centre of, of the, the debate over there that basically... The Catalans think they pay too much into the rest of the Spanish economy, and they're you know it's, it's a richer region. Well, you perhaps. know, some some people have compared the Catalan independence movement to the the Liga Nord, Nord the, yeah. the Northern League in Italy, it's which is far from a, a left wing organisation. And basically, that those who are supporting uh, Catalan independence in Ireland are very much of the left. So we have the likes of your kind of soft left, like Finian McGrath and John Halligan to a certain extent, the government. But we have people from Sinn Fein. I think you know numerous Sinn Fein people are over there throughout the weekend and into early this week acting as, you know, supporters, monitors. We had Mick Barry of the PBPAA over there as well. So it's very much broken down on a left-right divide in Irish politics. We've kind mm. of all, some of those in the soft left within Fianna Fáil also, you know, making warm noises towards the, the Catalan independence movement. But it's, it's it's a curious split when you think what is at the centre of the debate over mm. there. Mm. Uh, you were at the LCD sound system last week. I was, but I wasn't at the fabled, now fabled Friday night gig. Uh, I was at it on I, mean, I, I presume, uh, I saw them referred to as a rock band on the front of one tabloid uh, at the weekend. Uh, I presume our listeners are yes, okay so yes, enough yes, with yes, contemporary yes. political trends to know yes, that they're not a rock band. They're not a rock band, really. No. No. Post dance, you know, you can have what you want, you know. Yeah. Uh, I was explaining it, to, uh, actually it was funny that I was explaining to the rest of the political staff I was leaving on Wednesday evening early to, to go to this gig in the Olympia and I said who are you going to see so LCD Sound I've never heard of them so I had to, had to the political staff had never heard of LCD Sound I, I have to admit that a little part of me died when they, I heard that there did, was an they, expedition of Fine Gael front benchers to LCD Sound System yeah me too <laughs> basically um, I the funny thing was um, I saw a tweet on Friday evening uh, the selfie with Helen McEntee and Leo Varadkar and Pascal Donoghue in it just to explain there was a bit of a brouhaha, a minor Sorry, storm in yeah. a teacup about about a selfie taken or yeah. not taken backstage. But after but the then the, 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 as as the night progressed, that um, the, the Finnegale delegation, let's call them that, uh, were, went backstage to speak to the band, and they were accosted by Al Doyle, the guitarist, who's also on Hot Chip. Um, about another, the, another about, ironic, yes. self-referential post-electronic, uh, very pop good group. band too. Um, yeah. About abortion rights and, and Nancy Wang, uh, who was like behind James Murphy, the star of LCD Sound System, who is a well-known advocate of uh, feminist, feminism and, you know, reproductive rights. She was quite forceful in her uh, in her making her views known to Fragger. But then Al Doyle tweeted that the t- our esteemed Taoiseach was, I don't know if I can say this on this, a tosser. And that kicked oh, off... Oh, you yeah. stronger than that, and <laughs> yeah. I've done. So uh, that, that kicked off a bit of a storm. But I think the... Despite the fact that it was all, you know, hilarious and funny because, you know, the cool kids kind of got caught out to a certain extent. It the does, cool kids being the Finnegale yes, front bench yes, and our beloved t Yes, yes. God it, it, does, it does show, I was sitting in an ironic way, when I add. It does show that the, the Taoiseach perhaps is discovering that he can't do everything he used to do. And that, you know, it's all well and good going to concerts and gigs and all, but don't push it, your luck by going yeah, backstage. I mean, and putting yourself in a... Like, 
Listen, I know that Pascal Donahue goes to gigs and he's yes. never out at Vicker Street and when you yes. meet him, he's talking about what he's listening to on Spotify. So he is a bona fide mm. music fan. Mm. I, you know, Leo Radker is somebody who likes Love Actually. Yeah, um, and like to, to her, to her defence, I think Helen McEntee is a genuine LCD sound system fan. The other Finnegale person there was Tom Neville, who was a DJ. And Leo Radker, you don't quite know. They say he's a fan. I saw Tom Neville quoted saying he's a fan of LCD sound system. But I do remember when the Taoiseach, before he was Taoiseach, did... Uh, an episode of Orty's Late Date and he picked his musical selection one of the songs actually was Joni Mitchell's song picked purely on the basis that it was in love actually and he brought Tom Neville on I think to bring a bit of cool dressing to the cool window dressing to the whole yeah. affair so this stuff could just go I mean obviously it doesn't matter at all in any great scheme of things but this whole Leo Varadkar image building presentation social media thing could go wrong for him couldn't it? Yeah I think yeah, if he look, pushes it's it a bit, too it's, far it's, it's, it's a bit of like you know Tinsel is a bit of ephemera, really, like you know. But the the, the point that the, I you think know, this more, kind of the point that British yeah. politicians pretending to support football teams, and or like you know, Gordon Brown saying he listened to the Arctic Monkeys. You remember that yeah. one? Nobody yeah. believed it whatsoever. Yeah. Now, our T-shirt's probably more in tune than that. But I think that the the point is that he has been, you know, cultivating this image of cool and young, and you know that comes up against reality sometimes. And I think what we saw was that coming up against reality that, that you cannot put yourself in those positions and expect that everything will go swimmingly all the time and everybody will say how great you are and want to be pictured with you. Like I find it astonishing that you know Nancy Wang's, for example, views are absolutely well known to anybody who who, yeah. who follows that that type of music that they would put themselves in that situation where that could arise. Particularly when we had a huge march scheduled for the next day, so. I think they'll learn lessons and perhaps you might not see any backstage, backstage trips in the future. Unless him. somebody's safe like Bono who's not going to give it's out. A lo- it's a long way from Enda Kenny and his air guitar at the Bruce Springsteen concert only a year or so ago, isn't it? It is indeed. It isn't. It isn't. Like, you know, we kind of saw our, our, our Taoiseach relaxing. Uh, but I think with Enda Kenny was kind of, you know, endearing in a very authentic way. Like, he clearly likes Bruce Springsteen and like, you know, knew every song and was like playing dad and whatever you might say about Enda Kenny he was never trying to be hip no Um, no. we'll leave it there we're going to be joined by Cliff Taylor in a moment we're going to quiz him about his music tastes and Fiek and I are now joined by uh, our managing editor Cliff Taylor uh, always ready with some wise words on matters fiscal in uh, in Ireland we were talking about music just before the break there uh, Cliff but I'm not going to ask you about music so probably better you know, off you, you're at ease <laughs> I am however going to ask you about Wiggle Room and Wriggle Room because I was, I was blathering on about this uh, earlier on there's a lot of talk about Wiggle Room and Wriggle Room uh, right now always in the run up to a budget actually so I did a quick search in the archive and our staff are split um, mm. and some of them favour uh, Wiggle with uh, no or, and some of them favour wriggle with an or. I, I, I put it to you that the original phrase is wiggle and that it's just been debased in recent years by the likes of you using yeah. it in reputable and usually authoritative publications. Yeah, with well, my usual cheap populist tone, Hugh, I've, <laughs> I've certainly always been a wriggle man, but I, but I, stand, yeah. I stand corrected. I did notice also by a very learned tweeter who put us right. <laughs> I always said that it, the original phrase was wiggle and anything else was... was I, yes. I always thought wiggle kind of, you know, indicated a joyous movement where you'd be wiggling to a dance song and yeah. wriggle was kind of getting yourself out of a spot. So I, yeah, I yeah. kind of would feel kind of... Yeah. So I, I think wriggle is in the popular parlance yeah. now. So, you know, getting out of something slightly slightly difficult, you know, yeah. wriggling out of a tight spot. They, they are. I mean, you did, wouldn't did, wiggle out of a tight spot. Just before we leave this subject, which I'm sure our listeners are hoping, <laughs> hoping you'll do as quickly as possible, there is actually a slight difference in meaning which is appropriate in terms of this discussion in that wiggle 
feel implies that you're you're kind of fighting to just make your space a bit exactly. longer by yeah. jigging backwards yeah. and forwards to give yourself some space. Whereas wriggle is more uh, sort of like an insect or a small creature trying to extricate itself from a difficult situation, isn't well, it? Either so I, I, yeah, so yeah, I can see just. which metaphor you guys prefer. Either may be appropriate for the budget anyway. Trying to anyway, get this, trying to get this discussion. Anyway, I have, to, I, yeah, I, I have to tell you before you came in, Fiat told us it was going to be a really boring budget. Is he right? Yeah, I, well, he probably is. Uh, and I, I mean, amazing lack of. Uh, uh, lack of talk I suppose about the budget lack of stories appearing in the newspapers and the media about the budget about what may or may not happen and I think uh, That's bad for us is it good for the government I wonder <laughs> Well it depends I mean you're left wondering are they are they sitting on something yeah. that they intend to do on budget day for, and everyone would say oh, that's interesting That that's good that, that'll benefit my pocket that maybe won't be something extraordinary or maybe won't you know uh, pay for our holidays next year or whatever, but maybe may enough to you know to surprise people in, in 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 a positive way. But if they're going to do that, I think the conundrum they find themselves in they're they're going to have to find money from somewhere because it's clear looking at the tax figures that every year in the last few years there's been an overshoot in tax. Tax has come in and has kind of saved the minister for finance of the day, Michael Noonan, as it has been, because he's always had a few bob more. It doesn't appear that that's going to happen Why this is year. That? What's just, happened this year? Well, it's just the tax trends have been weaker. Um, did they overshoot in their estimates? They they, they, they possibly did to some extent, uh, you know, get their figures uh, slightly off uh, in relation to, 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 to aspects of income tax. Uh, but but also, look, you know, these things don't, don't just keep coming in ahead of target. We've had an extraordinary run in corporation tax. And that was really the thing, the key thing that pushed the figures ahead of target in the last few years. Mm. But it's income tax which has disappointed this year. It has. Now it's come back on track. Corporation tax is back on track. Everything is everything's okay. Mm. Uh, they'll probably meet their targets for the year more or less. But they haven't got the bonus from the kind of big surge in tax that they've got the, that they've is, had is, the last isn't few Isn't that, years. it always struck me as one of the things and uh, with all due respect to your chosen chosen profession that economic analysts uh, always seem to get these things wrong and when mm. things are going badly they underestimate how badly they're going to go and when things are going well certainly in Irish budgetary history yeah. going right back through the boom there was always this oh you know yippee we've got more money yeah. than we anticipated guilty, we were going to have. charge I think <laughs> on that one you I mean I think uh, you know and, and I suppose the flip side the, the result of that is uh, you know we've tended to either have you know really good budgets or kind of really bad ones that we've yeah. seen in the last few years and if you look back at our economic growth rate it's the same a lot of countries chunter along at th- I don't know if that's a word either 2-3% every year in terms of economic growth we tend to either have an extraordinary surge in growth 5-6% or, or nothing we don't do we don't do mediums and, yeah. and that has tended to knock on to the budget. problems overall. It is. It? And so we're works. probably struggling, I guess, to get used to the idea that maybe growth is coming back to 3% mm. and we mightn't have that much money. Mm. And if we want to do new things in terms of cutting tax or increasing spending, huge pressures and all areas, we actually may need to raise some money or cut back elsewhere. So if it's something we're not used to doing, we're not used to debating. So if Pascal Donoghue and Leo Varadkar decided that they did want to take some form of an action mm. uh, that, was, that was actually significant rather than symbolic, sure. because it strikes me that a lot of this discussion about a tiny cut in USC versus a tiny adjustment of the bans is going to have such a minimal impact mm. on people's day-to-day lives that yeah. really all it is is an indication of stuff they'd like to do in the future yeah, rather yeah, than really impacting. Yeah. So if they did want to do something more significant, 
Where where could they look to raise revenue? Yeah, there's a few places, but they're all going to have people shouting at them. So the question is, do they are they prepared to put up with the shouting? There's been debate about the nine percent VAT rate uh, on the, the tourism sector. Um, that could that could go up. Say, I don't think they've put it back up to thirteen percent, uh, which is the, the the normal rate, if you like. They could put it up by a percent or two and raise a significant significant sums, a couple of hundred million. But the tourism sector will be out saying, "Look, we're being hit by Brexit. Tourism from Britain is is falling." Which is true. Which is both of which is true. Mm-hmm. So politically difficult. Yeah. They could start the process of bringing diesel tax up to the same level as petrol, because we now know that there's no environmental reason for not doing that. Uh, and uh, that would get in, you know, 60, 70 million next year, maybe a bit more, depending on how quickly they wanted to move. Mm. Significant enough. Um, they'll certainly hit cigarettes again. Uh, the only question really is is how much. Uh, but, you know, there could be another 50, 60 million for them there. Uh, they could go for a general increase in tar- carbon tax, which is a tax introduced a few years ago on all fuels. So they, they could push that up. And, they, you know, they could conceivably get 100 million there. But But all those are kind of, Small enough sums, uh, they'll pay for other there are other things that they're going to have to do anyway. The, the really big ones would be VAT number one. And, and the second one that they could do uh, is, and, and this is something that was mentioned in the programme for government, was to phase out the, the PAYE tax credit for people earning over €100,000, which basically means that on earnings over that amount, you don't benefit from uh, from, from, from the 1600 would that be significant in terms of revenue? It, it would. Uh, you could be talking uh, €200 million or uh, The original estimate was that it could raise €200 million. Um, the tax strategy group papers, which is the group of civil servants that look at these things before the budget actually said, well, actually, that was the original estimate. We think it could be a good bit more because there may have been a miscalculation originally. But look, the real problem with that is Leo Varadkar and Pascal Dunham have been out saying people are taxed too high. They want to reduce the marginal rate of tax. That is going in the in the opposite direction to that. And so they're, they're, really they're, going they'd also be under pressure say. from some quite, you know, powerful lobby groups such as um, foreign direct investment. They're Absolutely. not particularly keen on that type of stuff and financial services and all those areas. And at a time when they're trying to win... Trying to attract Brexit investment, uh, you'd have to say prob- probably an unlikely thing to do. Mm. But they're going to have to bite one of these bullets, I if, think. If they're going to do anything. Going to do anything at and all. and do you think, I mean, I sense that they'll want to do something. This is a new Taoiseach who's trying to project an image of being a fresh face with a new approach to things. The idea of a completely steady as she go, nothing to see here budget sounds, doesn't sound quite right for, for that. It doesn't like, you know, and he is a political showman after all. And you would think that he will want some sort of a flourish on budget day for those people as identified as the people who get up early in the morning. Um but again, as Cliff says, it's hard to see where you get that. It's so tight. And if, as you say, you're right, if it was to be something, it would be something that would be small, but it would be more a signaling rather than something that would have a, a definitive effect. I have no evidence for this, but if my suspicion would be that they would do something on childcare because they made such a big play of it over the summer and there's a subsidy that benefits everybody. There's a gradated system that you get more as if you're on a lower income, but then they supplemented that last year by having... Uh, kind of per rate per hour rate for children of a certain age they could increase the hourly rate and have a direct kind of impact on people who are paying sovereign childcare costs that could be something they'd look at although again we don't know um, what what they're thinking it could be the case otherwise that he decides that by not having a flourish and and by kind of doing a steady as you go budget is, is is a different 
way of approaching things from and, previous years. And this will probably be couched, Cliff, in some sort of a this is the first of a three-year plan mm. uh, kind, kind, kind of a language, isn't it? Which, you know, I'm not sure how much credence we can put into that given the current, you know, political Indeed. permutation. I mean, is that more than just, you know, window dressing? Um, because one of the problems in the past has been short-termism, hasn't it? You know, there is an argument to be made for planning these I, things I, out. I, over I, I think it's a reasonable approach and uh, economically and certainly politically, uh, there's very little spare cash this year, as we know. There will potentially... If growth keeps going, and it is a it is a it is an if, I suppose, with Brexit in the wind. But if growth growth keeps going roughly as expected, there will be significantly more next year and the year after. So you know you could come up politically with a story which says, uh, and they've already, I guess, put underlined this that we're going to eliminate we've eliminated borrowing this year, uh, number one, and we've set ourselves up to be able to do more in future years. Mm. Um, certainly. That's been part of the, the eliminating borrowing has been part of the pre-publicity from both Pascal Donoghue and Leo Varadkar. Uh, they're going to put a lot of store on that. How exactly that will be calibrated, we're not sure. Under EU rules, we have to reduce borrowing to 0.5%, which is still borrowing. Yeah. Uh, next year, will they choose to try and go to zero and, and make a virtue of, of that? Uh, you know, it just depends on how the how the numbers uh, how the numbers go and, one and way how, or the other but, but under the EU rules the point is when you meet that mm. guideline the rules allow you greater room for manoeuvre in future years so so, mm. so there is a sense in saying look we'll do this for example on the standard rate income tax ban this year but we hope to move in the direct, mm. in future directions and that could be something this government does or it could be a platform for the next election but at least that, that's how, people know how does what that the impact thinking on, is. onto kind of we we'll mostly be concentrating on you know individual taxation um, VAT things like funding the health service, but there's yeah. the whole issue of capital expenditure and some of the thorniest problems facing the government, yeah. uh, the, the state at the moment arise out of homelessness, housing sure. crisis, uh, a, a lack of investment in capital infrastructure since since the financial collapse. And yeah. how do they, do we approach them separately or do they, are they impacted by this? Well, they, they will outline their capital plans for next year in the, in the budget, uh, but there's a separate capital plan going to be published shortly, which mm. will, which will outline that in detail. And over I guess, 10 years or something. Yeah, yeah, I guess mm. over, I guess the, the point of more resources being available in future years allows them to outline that with a bit more confidence. Uh, because by its nature, capital investment is you know stuff that takes five or ten years to build. Sure. You know, if they start the new metro, it's going to take I don't know how many years, seven or eight years to build it. So you roster in the money over each year, which also uh, allows you. But it also allows you, doesn't it, to promise stuff that somebody else might have to absolutely. deal. Absolutely, somebody else might have to deliver. The metro on. has been promised a few times. Yeah. I think it seems to be there seems to be a feeling that that will be the big political event of the second half of this year, rather than the budget. That yeah. the budget is going to be so okay. tight that there's not going to be much to give around, but. Perhaps that the capital plan, because they'll be able to make so many promises and be able to say we're going to do this, this and this, that it will be a kind of a, a weightier political event perhaps than the budget, although the budget is always the budget. People are going to pay attention to it. Although the history of capital plans and spatial plans and long-term mm -hmm. investment programs in this country is not a happy one. No, in uh, terms like, of actual delivery, the, the, the metro is a hangover from the pre-pre-boom capital mm. plans, like you know, launched with great fanfare and confidence in two thousand six, two thousand seven, before everything went south. But you, they have to do it, like, and you know, you, you would have to say that they're tying this capital investment plan with their spatial plan, or in twenty forty, and allocating resources where they say they are needed. So, again, if they want to track a sensible course, uh, if they do it in the budget and say, you know, we're not going to spend this much this year, but when we have the room mm. to do it, that would fit in with that kind of thematic approach to the government that we are planning for the longer term because we've got us through this period. And if you actually listen to what Farakar is being saying, 
recently he, he goes back and he like he's out at the door yesterday he goes we invested in this sports facility this this we did that one times were tough and guess what we can do when times are going to be good which is what's going to happen under me so that may be a team that they're approaching perhaps this could be something of a bridging year between yeah. what went before and what will come in, in future. some ways it could, be, it could be difficult more difficult for ministers to finance Clef Cantor when there is a little bit of money around mm, because absolutely. expectations simply go through the roof yeah. on every, yeah. from every quarter and there's a lot of pre pre-manoeuvring around from the independents and from Fianna Fáil about you know, what's going to happen but I think everyone realises there isn't, there isn't mm. a lot of cash to spend this year uh, and I suppose coming back to the idea of the boom and bust cycle the problem we've had over the years is that we spent money when times are good the old Charlie McGreevy thing when I have it I spend it um, and we've had to cut back when times are bad which, which is, is the exa- wrong way of exactly doing exactly the opposite yeah. of what you should be doing mm-hmm. and per- the thing that has particularly taken the hit is capital spending because politically it's a lot easier to push out a project by a few years or cancel it than it is to you know increase taxes or cut people's uh, welfare payments or whatever. So capital spending has tended to take the hit when times are bad and no more so than during the downturn when it was just the legs were cut out under it. Yeah. And we're, we're paying the price, unfortunately. Well, I'm looking forward to an incredibly dull budget day next Tuesday. And of course, we'll be covering it in, in reams, reams of paper and uh, acres of we'll megabits on the, <laughs> on the internet and maybe even a few minutes on the podcast as well. Yeah. Thanks very much, Cliff and Fiak, for joining us today. And that's it for this edition of Inside Politics. Thanks to our producer, Jennifer Ryan, and engineer, JJ Vernon. You can always mail me at hlinhan at irishtimes.com or you can find me on Twitter. But until the next time, goodbye and thanks very much indeed for listening.